Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, the lead guitarist in this legendary band of rockers who today are back in black. I'm joined once again by my good friend and 40K mentor, the founder of Vanguard Tactics. He's the lead vocalist in our band, the Brian Johnson to my Angus Young, Mr. Steven Box. Steve, how's it going? How you Dave? Did you get that one? Is it ACDC? It is. Well done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. You can stop listening to the podcast now. I finally got a reference. That's right. If you're if you're on your bingo card, you can go ahead and check one off. Steve got one of my references. So check that off on your bingo cards, folks. I figured with, with uh, you know, Back in Black's one of their best albums. Um, and since we're doing Black Legion today, it seemed uh, thematically appropriate, at least. But before we get any further uh, into talking about Black Legion and the wonders of, of uh, Abaddon, uh, we got to acknowledge our, uh, our fantastic sponsor, Siege Studios. Yeah, obviously, um, first of all, wow. I mean, I've just been sent two models and they are incredible. The Bellacore model, uh, ready for the Demon Codex, and also obviously Fabius Bile, uh, who is the password of this month on our new Facebook group that we've just made for everybody on the podcast. So go ahead and find that. Just search for the Competitive 40K podcast community and use the term Fabius Bile to enter. But C Studios have smashed this one out of the park because I literally can't stop looking at my Bellacore model. I've even started doing reels with Bellacore. Um, I'm just like, right, Bellacore can be in this video. Bellacore's in every video now. Okay, so it's like me and Bellacore uh, with best buds. Anyway, yeah, so C yeah. Studios, thank you so, so much. And you've had some great tutorials with them, haven't you? I had some a couple of fantastic tutorials um, with James, and he is an absolute legend. He explains things and breaks things down so simply for me, and who has no art background whatsoever, and really helped me with my um, with my airbrushing skills. So, yeah, James is incredible. I absolutely encourage everybody who wants some more personalized one to one training on your on your ha- painting and your hobby skills. Schedule something with with James or somebody else from Siege Studios. Yeah, brilliant, absolutely. So um, we've also got another special announcement. We do. I've been working with a company for the last kind of, I suppose, month now, or a few weeks at least. And this company reached out to me and said, Steve, we've got this idea of a project. Um, We'd love your help with it. Um, Would you be happy to get involved? And they told me this product and I could not not say yes when I heard about it. So this company basically said to me, what they've done so far is they've sponsored an artist to paint the inside of a hospital, not just any hospital, but a children's cancer ward hospital, and not just anywhere, but in Ukraine. And basically, this artwork that goes up in this hospital is to allow the children to essentially feel like they're outdoors in the most magical place, because obviously they can't leave this hospital because of the treatment that they desperately need. So when they told me about this project, they said, not only are we going to continually do that anyway? But we've got a project idea and we've created an airbrush inspired by Angela, the artist. And what they're now going to be doing is putting the profits of this airbrush towards helping the actual hospital continually get medicine, supplies, support. Uh, they've got people you know, traveling over to deliver stuff and everything. It's a whole thing that's happening. And I, I just couldn't not say yes, right? This was just an incredible project to be part of. I was honored to be asked by the legendaries harder in Steenbeck because not only is this just an airbrush, you know, manufacturing company, this is the company that I've used consistently for all of my airbrushing. So it wasn't like 
a company that I wasn't familiar with or didn't even use myself. Um, so instantly we got on board, we've done their advertisement for them in terms of their videos we made. Um, and it's just been really, really exciting project to be part of. I'll put the links in the Facebook group. I'll put some emails out about it as well and also share it on our social media. But this airbrush that they've created is absolutely stunning. Inside is gold, Dave, a gold airbrush inside. Wow. And it's beautiful. And um, it's got this incredible wing down the side of it. And basically that wing is inspired by Angela's art. Um, so yeah, if you are thinking about getting into airbrushing, now is the, the best time to do it because you know that your money is going to be going to a fantastic cause. If you've already airbrushing and you want an upgrade, this is the best airbrush you can possibly buy. It's their infinity range. And even if you just want to support a worthy call and have a sick looking airbrush on your desk and you don't even want to airbrush, then just get one anyway. So I think we're covering all bases here, Dave. All right. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, anybody, if, if you've paid any attention to, if you, if you're somebody who has taken your, your painting seriously, you've probably heard of Harder and Steenbeck. I mean, I've heard of them on, um, I, James has one from Siege Studios and, you know, we've heard them talk about that on their videos. I've heard, um, uh, Henry from Cult of Paint, he uses one. I think uh, Duncan Rhodes has mentioned Harder and Steenbeck. So all the great legends in our hobby who who do painting well, they all acknowledge and own a Harder and Steenbeck airbrush. So like that's that's that is the gold standard. So uh, this it, the fact that we, you know they came to you and that they're willing to they wanted to partner up is just it's an incredible um, compliment and privilege that we get to to help them out, and it's for such a noble cause. It really is in not only is it just, it's not just like donating money because you're getting an awesome product out of it as well, which is super cool because this airbrush is, is brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and it looks great. So yeah, all good things there. Um, one other announcement. Um, I am going to an event and it's called the Hertfordshire GT. And this event is on Saturday, the 3rd of September. It's in the UK. Um, if you would like to go, then definitely check it out. I think the, the guys that run it are the Toys of Mass Destruction. These are guys that I've met all the time at lots of different events. They're fantastic. I think I've played all of the guys here from the team that are running it. They're really good guys. They reached out to me and said, look, Steve, uh, we know obviously VT's um, you know, emphasis on sportsmanship and fair play. Um, you know, Would you like to come? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm also sponsoring the prize for most sporting. Um, I'm going to be there. Hopefully some of the, t uh, the rest of the team will be as well. It's a great kind of warm-up event if you're going to, let's say, the London Grand Tournament. So do head over and get your tickets from the Hertfordshire GT. So yeah, big shout out to those guys. They've assured me the terrain's going to be awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to going. So yeah, all the links will be in our Facebook group and email as well. But that's all awesome. the announcements, Dave. We should probably do some talking about Black Legion. Probably. Uh, just so, and I just want to throw in there, I will also be going on September 10th. I'll be at an RTT uh, in Douglasville, Georgia at Strike Force Games. Uh, Mark Morass, the owner, is a really nice guy. He's an army vet, runs a great shop, and uh, the, the gameplay area in the back of the shop is a lot bigger than you first think when you walk up to the store, and he runs really great events. Um, so if you want to get some practice games in, if you're in the Georgia, uh, Tennessee, Alabama area, you should you know, come check it out. There, I believe there are still some tickets available, um, so come on out to that event too. So. Um, yeah, let's, uh, oh, and before we can't forget, um, I, you know, you, some of you guys, you guys are slacking. Um, I have not gotten a rules lawyer question in a couple of weeks. I know it's cause I haven't recorded one. I keep saying we're too busy. So that's partly on me, but let's open up those floodgates again. Now that we're 
getting somewhat caught up. Definitely, that's something if you guys do sign up for the for the Facebook um, group. And remember, it's the Competitive 40K Podcast Community Facebook page. If you uh, go on there, find that link and, and get in there and sign up and use the keyword Fabius Bile, we'll let you in. And um, you can drop your rules, lawyers, questions in there as well if you don't want to go find us on Instagram. If you do, Steve's on there as always at, at the Vanguard Tactics. I'm on there at, at Infantry Lawyer. Um, so check us out. Check out the Facebook page. Check out, of course, www.vanguardtactics.com for more information on the Academy. Um, and we will get back to doing rules letter segments uh, shortly. And then now, with all of that said, let's talk Black Legion. We've got a review. Let's not forget that. Oh, you got one? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Minozuka uh, said, a great source of information has given us a five-star, Dave. Five stars. Appreciate it. That's a five-star, the big five. Found this podcast very recently and love it. And both hosts seem knowledgeable. I'm glad we're winging it, Dave. And that's coming across. Yes. Um, and have a great love for 40k without being super must win at all costs and more about having fun and enjoying a hobby rather than just being all about the win thank you both and appreciate all you do for the community thank you so much for that review uh, that was very very kind yeah and a big five stars not like the other one which was three stars and said that they can't stand the American guy but right <laughs> we can't please everyone Dave but they are funny, we cannot right? you, you cannot please everyone so um I think we had another three-star review, but we'll, we'll, we'll do that one later. We, we're, we've been waffling on a bit. We need to get to talking yeah. about the, the, the sons of Horus as they have evolved. I mean, we do so. actually. Have, it's actually quite ironic, exactly, as well. Yeah. It's not coming up now because it, I think it was last month. But yeah. basically said, podcast is good, but it's more of an advertisement show or something. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, guys, the, the podcasts are actually mega expensive to run. Like, real expensive. And the sponsors really help us actually do this. Dave, do you get paid for doing this? I do not. <clears throat> do I get I do paid not. for doing this? No. I, 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 got up, I got up at 0600 this morning of my own free will to, to make sure my notes are ready and ready to do this. So, so We know. have waffled on for eight minutes of advertisement, but we had advertised a really cool event we think would be great for people to go to. Uh, we've also advertised a fantastic, fantastic charitable thing that you should definitely do. Um, and when people become a member and, you know, sign up to the academy or come to a workshop, it helps justify the cost of the podcast because it's, it's a lot of money over the year. It really is. If you've ever run a podcast and done it every single week in editing and the rest of it, it's not cheap. So especially with the audio quality we try to give you. Anyway, that's that. But we do anyway. take the feedback nonetheless. Let's get into it. Black Legion. The Black Legion. All right. Legion trait. Black Crusaders. What is it? I can see the name. Tell us the details. Okay, so there's two bullet points of rules here. The first bullet point basically means that combat attrition tests for the unit, you basically ignore and you ignore all modifiers for it as well. Okay? It's okay. You ignore all modifiers for combat attrition, essentially. Then the second bullet point, um, which is probably more important, is when you're targeting the closest eligible ranged with um, a ranged attack, sorry, um, you get plus one to hit. So if it's the closest eligible target, you get plus one to hit. And then if you're not shooting that unit, then obviously you won't get that plus one to hit. But if you charge somebody, you also get plus one to hit in combat as well. So basically plus one to hit, and this is army wide. So it's a really nice way of making your units like possessed. Um, you know, some of those vehicles that are non-core um, kind of just hit a little bit more efficiently because they don't have the core keyword to get re-rolls or such like from character buffs that we would normally typically see. So it is quite a strong 
trait. Obviously, the combat attrition side of things doesn't come up too much, but the plus one to hit is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, we don't want to downplay the combat attrition side because um, I believe uh, early next week, I'll be recording the episode with uh, Mike Costello about Night Lords. So he, he's all about making sure your, your combat attrition is something you, you regret ever existing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is obviously a factor. Um, but I, I think for me, um, me and Michael actually did a Legion tier list recently. Uh, and it's a free view content that you can find out on a YouTube channel. But we didn't do a tier list like everybody else does. We didn't preset what we think everybody would be. We marked everything out of five. We marked the Legion we mark their warlord traits and relics. We also mark their stratagems and we also mark their ability to play the mission and score secondaries. So even until the end of the video, we didn't know the results because we had Nicole tallying everything up. And I think we gave our justification as like an overall. So it's a really nice piece if you want to, um, you know, give that a listen. Yeah. And watch on YouTube. Yeah. So if you're having some trouble, if you want to play Chaos Marines and you are having some trouble figuring out what you think would be the most, um, competitive to play you can certainly check that out and or if you just want to kind of see where your preferred legion stacks up with the others and and i like i like the i've actually because i you know i listened to a couple other podcasts on 40k i listened to a couple on marvel crisis protocol because i spent way too much time in the car driving to court um and i like those tier lists not because i want to know what's the most competitive list what's the you know what are the art of war guys running or what is steve running at, at bao or when the, it's not that it's i want to know how things rank up and what are their strengths so that I know what I can lean into with, with my codex or with my list so I can maybe, you know, counter some of those threats so you can plan ahead. It's not to worry about giving myself the best chance to win. It's about making sure that I feel like I have the tools available. Yeah, I agree. And I think for me and Michael, what we tried to get across was what you can take from that is our rationale and our critical thinking behind our recommendations in rankings. So what we do is we go, right, okay, well, you scored this lower than me, Michael, why? Or you scored this higher, why? That critical thinking will allow you to take that same thought process into any codex, into any legion, any ability, or any faction or whatever, and go, okay, if I apply that same logic, I'll be able to critically analyze my own thought process, my own army list, and make some sense of it and improve it. So anyway, that's on that. So that's yeah. legion done. All right, so what do you think about their secondary? Despoiled Dominions. Okay, so again, it's Shadow Operations, which means that this is always going to be competing with two other really strong ones that you know the army's going to do particularly well. Um, now, when we consider the mission, that's really important. We need to factor in that Raise the Banners is a very good secondary, and that also is a Shadow Operation as well. Okay, so basically, Despoiled Dominion is an action. One Black Legion infantry or Black Legion bike unit can start to perform this action. Um, at the end of your movement phase, if it's in range of an objective marker that has not been despoiled by your army. Um, so obviously this is going to be dependent on how many objectives are on the table, okay, and obviously which ones you can even reach. Um, now, you only need to be in range of them, okay, to begin with, but a unit cannot start this action while there are any enemy units in range of the same objective, which is the issue here. So as soon as an enemy unit is on an objective and you think about the game where you know typically you're going to be holding two objectives dave aren't you right minimum yeah you want your you have your non-negotiable and your fortify yep and even if you've just got a random model on an objective it means it's not even going to allow this action to begin and that's the issue so really you're going to be lucky to even do this 
three times, I think, on a five objective mission. Okay. Yeah. Especially against units, because, you know, Chaos, like a lot of other Marine uh, units, is going to have a smaller model count, a smaller unit count. Whereas yeah. you're going against something like uh, Azuryani, Drakari, Orcs, Tyranids, some Tyranid lists, they've got a lot of expendable units. They can just throw forward and into the meat grinder and don't care as long as they can stop you from scoring those objectives. Exactly, yeah. And the action is completed at the start of your next command phase. So that unit that's doing it also has to stay alive. It means that they also can't do anything uh, during that time either. So they can't shoot or, or what they can fought if or they can fight if they're charged, but they cannot make a charge move. Um, and then there's a bit about stopping your opponent doing actions as well. And every time you do it, you get four points. So, I mean, if you're just wanting to do it for three objectives and get 12 points, I think it's probably possible. Okay. Um, but again, it's going to be only one point if it's in your deployment zone and it's going to be four points if they're outside of it. I still think Banners is probably a better pick for the Black Legion because of the amount of objectives secured they have. And you can really lean into now the fact that Black uh, Banners is a secondary in which means you have to control it at the end of your movement phase rather than, you know, it's no longer stopped just because we've got an enemy model nearby. So I think the Black Legion with their obsec, and we'll talk about that in a moment, is going to lean really, really well into raising banners instead of this one specifically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is, and this actually scores, this is almost identical to the sisters one, isn't it? It's not defend the shrine. Sacred ground. Sacred ground. That's it. Yeah. So this is, this scores almost exactly like sacred ground, but, um, but that, but sacred, but sisters is again, an army where you've got a lot more units to throw away and you can, also, I don't believe you have to... I think you can still do it if you've got an enemy unit in range of it, I believe, off oh. the top of your head. And also, this says one unit. They can do it, I believe, with multiple units. Yeah, I know they can do multiple in the same phase. So that's an issue because uh, with the sisters, if they go second, then at the end of the game, they can go, cool, uh, sacred ground, sacred ground, sacred ground, sacred ground, cool. I've just done four of them in a turn. And then obviously it then completes at the end of the battle rather than this one, only one unit can do it. Right. All right. Similar, just worse. Similar, but definitely some, some key changes that, you know, not just in, in which faction it's for and how it scores. So definitely things you want to consider when you're choosing if you're going to use this, you know, when you're playing. But it's not to say that the sisters one is correct, because I think that's too strong. So I'm not saying this is terrible. Right. I think somewhere in between those two is probably what's going to fit best for this. But more importantly, banners is just a more optimal option for the Black Legion because their objective secured manipulation, which I'll come on to shortly. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you and I definitely need to have um, in a couple of weeks when we're all caught up on all the chaos, on the legions, and after probably after Demons comes out, since we're expecting that to happen anytime soon, um, you and I need to do a state of the state of the game, state of the meta talk about Nephilim because everybody's freaking out about Necrons and Sisters, but that's for another time. So, I think we can um, talk about that when we discuss LGT because obviously we've got that coming up. That's right. I've obviously got my workshop that you can buy tickets for uh, the day before the big LGT event, um, but we're going to be doing a series of podcasts about how I'm preparing for that as well to give you an insight into our MTM approach when we uh, come to uh, preparing for a tournament. So, um, Warlord Traits. Okay, Warlord Traits. There are six Warlord Traits. The first one, um, is a command phase ability. You can select a friendly core or Black Legion character uh, within six of this Warlord. At the end of the turn, that unit is eligible to shoot and declare a charge in which it fell back. So quite a tactical play 
fullback and shoot, fullback and charge on a unit within six command ability. It's quite good. Yeah, yeah. Especially for the what I think some people already have probably seen or heard of at least is the the ubiquitous Chaos Marine um, Terminator blob. Yeah, you don't want that stuck in combat. Yeah, that's falling back and shooting, falling back and charging is gonna can is gonna make your life is gonna give the Black Legion player a lot of tactical flexibility with a very large, very dangerous unit. Yeah, the issue is the Chaos book is stacked with good relics in Warlord traits. It's really hard to know if this one makes the top cut. I've actually written a Black Legion list that I think would be good for somebody starting out with Black Legion, and we can cover that later. It's not super optimized, but I think it's quite easy to get your head around somebody that's new to the Black Legion. And that's really important because obviously the Black Legion, where they're different to obviously the Emperor's Children, the Emperor's Children can only take Slanesh. The Black Legion can take any mark. Therefore, we've got access to potentially knowing four different marks of rules, four different icons of rules. We then, there's two sec- two stratagems for each and every uh, mark of chaos. So therefore you've got to need, that's another six or eight possible stratagems you need to play, which is why I like the Emperor's Children because it does simplify it slightly. But again, um, it's a complexity that you're going to need to know you understand thoroughly well. Okay. Yeah. So the next wall or trait, is basically damage allocated to that model is halved. So it's okay, indomitable. All right. The next one is Merciless Overseer. In your um, command phase, you, you can basically... This is actually one of Abaddon's Warlord traits, Merciless Overseer. In your command phase, you can select one friendly Black Legion unit within until the start of that next command phase. Each time a model makes an attack, if your army is engaged in either destruction or slaughter, that unit is considered to be in massacre okay so therefore this means your assault and rapid fire weapons are going to get the um, exploding sixes when you're in the massacre okay okay um again it's got pretty good i mean if you're taking black legion you're 100 percent taking a bad and i think there's not a right where you don't take him personally because he's such a force multiplier for the black legion um and we'll oh, he's come- ridiculous and we'll come on to him later. And you're basically buying one Warlord trait for one CP and you're gaining three. You're probably going to have this one in your locker to deal with, okay? Yeah. So the next one is Soul Eater. Each time a Warlord makes a melee attack, you can reroll the wound roll. So reroll wounds. But each time you fight after it's finished making its attacks, one or, if one or more enemy models were destroyed, you can regain up to D3 wounds. Again, it's okay. I quite like it for reroll wounds. But the army so stacked with warlord traits i don't even know if that makes the top cut which is crazy because yeah that warlord trait in like my blood angels i'll be like hello definitely taking that but right or if you're really maybe hell-bent on taking a demon prince a wing demon prince it might be a, a something to consider yeah because they've got a good um, dose of wounds that they start with you gotta end you know all you have to do is kill one model to heal d3 that's not bad so yeah. maybe but yeah, like you said, there's an embarrassment of riches in this book as for Black Legion. So, One thing to note as well, the Black Legion are the only Legion that allows you to take two Warlord traits on a character. Ah. Okay. So you can go double Warlord trait. Uh, because what you could do is stack the Soul Eater with the Indomitable, then now you're halving all damage, and then you can you know heal D3 wounds. And also there's a Relic that you could take, that Slanesh, that once per game, you can only take up to three wounds in that turn. So you could take up to three and then heal them all anyway. You just fight oh, you turn them into Gaskell or a Catan. Basically for a turn, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so the next one is the trusted war leader. Um, if you're on the battlefield, each time you spend a command point, use a stratagem, um, you can roll a D6 on a five plus, you get one refunded. So basically a CP farm. Okay. Yeah, that's the Ultramarines warlord trait. That's it, yeah. And I think Me. Black Legion and Ultramarines are very similar in terms of their play style. They're very tactical. And I think yeah. Things Workshop have done a really good, um, you know, kind of overview of this. Because obviously, originally, the Black Legion were actually the Lunar Wolves. That's right. And then they became the Sons of Horus, and now they're the Black Legion. Um, and back in, the, back in the lore, the Lunar Wolves were some of the most tactically fierce well, they were the most tactically fierce legion out there that they could fight like kind of whoever they wanted to. Um, and they were feared amongst all the others uh, of all the other legions. Yeah. So the Paragon of Hatred, this is another one in which Abaddon has. So you will be using this one if you're taking him. You can reroll your charge rolls. Um, and when you fight, if you're in engagement range of enemy units, then until the fight is resolved, add one to the attack's characteristics. If, however, they have got the Imperium keyword, you gain D3 extra attacks rather than just one. It's nice. And again, it's, it's going to go on a bad end, so it, you're, you're pretty much auto-taking that one. Yeah. Should we look at relics now before we move on to strats? Yes, absolutely. Just kind of fits nicer, doesn't it? Yeah. So the first relic is the, I don't know, Gorvex's Teeth? Is that- yeah, I think that's, yeah, you got that one as well as I could pronounce it. Okay, so the Black Legion starts a chainsword, kind of like a Tifa Terror equivalent, three extra yeah. attacks. Um, strength user, that's real. The issue here is the strength user part, minus three, two damage. It's okay. Yeah. My, the minus three AP is good if you're playing into a Marine meta. Yeah, comes minus two, putting Marines on fives of saves, uh, five up yep. saves. That's all right, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So then next up is the loyalty's reward. This is a bolt weapon. Um, and basically each time you target an enemy that has the Imperium keyword and a hit is scored, you suffer a mortal wound and the attack sequence ends. Each time the bearer makes an attack with that weapon that does not have the Imperium keyword, you successfully wound and the target uh, suffers one mortal wound and the sequence ends. Okay. There's a little bit slight difference there. Oh, okay, I see. It's if if they're if they're Imperium, you get the mortal wounds on hits. If they're not Imperium, they get the mortal wounds on wounds, on successful wounds. Yes, got it. So what the Imperium right. is just a hit roll. So basically, it's going to be on a two up, pretty much, right? Most characters hit on a two, right? Um, I think that's the issue. I mean, each time the bearer makes an attack, it does say. In the past, we've seen these bolt weapons and. It's like you roll one dice or you roll one hit roll. So with a combi bolter where you get four shots, you could, if against an Imperium unit, do three, you know, four mortal wounds straight away. Right. But when you're, if you're going against anything else, like if you are squaring off against, you know, a Nidzilla list or orcs, you're only going to be wounding on fives, probably mm-hmm. with that bolt weapon. Yeah. Against Eldar, great, because you're wounding on threes. Right. But, yeah, or Tau, or anything else, or Sisters, anything that's going to be average T3. It's yeah. not, it, you know. Yeah, and most of the reroll wounds are stacked with melee attacks, not reroll wounds in shooting. So, anyway, um, it's pretty nifty. It's, it's, it's cute. It's something you might use in Crusade, but it's probably not something you're going to take at a competitive event. Yeah. 
Uh, like I said, I think Q is a good one there. So it, the next up, we've got the Veilbreaker plate. Uh, it's a Black Legion Terminator model. The first bullet point, basically, you worsen the AP by one. It's the same wording as Armor of Contempt, so it won't work. But obviously, this book was written before the balance update. So Right. Look, I saw somebody moan about it. Like, oh, this relic's rubbish because Armor of Contempt already does this. Be like, dude, you nearly just got it on one model. Now you've got it on your whole army? Hmm. Let's be, yeah. let's be real here, yeah? Yeah. Quit your crying. I play Tau. Do you know how much I would, what I would give for Armor of Contempt on my army? Holy Jesus. Dave, let me ask you this question. What would you do for Armor of Contempt to be on one model rather than their entire army? Oh, if, uh, considering everybody that I played against at Lone Star Open was in power armor between Thousand Suns and Space Marines, I would love for them to have, oh, this is my one armor of contempt unit or character for this game. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. My, my pulse rifles are back to being, you know, useful again. So let's keep good perspective, guys. Yeah, let's keep good yeah. perspective. And positive. Let's keep it in perspective here, folks. All right. So, uh, but yeah, this thing has another ability though, right? Which is actually really good and I really like it and it's probably making the list for me. So it's a Black Legion Terminator. All right. So I'm probably putting this on a Terminator Sorcerer. Uh, once per battle in your movement phase, you can basically, if you didn't arrive as a reinforcement in this turn, um, basically you can pick a friendly core unit within three and you can set up both units back on the battlefield nine inches away and wholly within six inches of each other. So pick up your unit and stick it down somewhere else. Really strong because the army. Oh, yeah is not mobile um and this is just a core unit you could pick up a unit of bikers you could pick up you know i mean i think you could even pick up a dreadnought yeah hellbrute has hellbrute's got core keyword yes um, they do so yeah you could pick yeah. up a dreadnought and stick it down somewhere else yeah yeah and and picking up and dropping a hellbrute down somewhere in somebody's backfield um with the tentacles and and a hammer or something is going to do some put some pain on some people yeah or multi-melter whatever yeah yeah so next up, this is an auto-include relic, and uh, it's called the Cloak of Conquest. While a friendly Black Legion core unit or Black Legion character unit is within six of the Cloak of Conquest, then you gain objective secured. And this is why this is clutch. You have to take this. Absolutely, objective secured is so powerful as a word, as a keyword. Oh, yeah. And when you can stick it on other core units and characters, it's bonkers. You take this. Straight in the basket. Yes, please. Um, remind me again. Uh, possessed and Chosen are core, right? Nope. Sorry. Oh, neither of them are. Sorry. Hang on a minute. I thought you were going to say Possessed in Warp Talents, and instead you threw me off by saying Chosen. So, yeah. Possessed and Warp Talents, the demonic units, no. Chosen. Oh, that's right. Chosen are just spicy legionaries. The spicy legionaries get the core keyword. Got it. Okay, that's right. Warp talons because they're demon kin. Warp talons and possessed don't, but raptors, bikers, and um, terminators chosen do. And that's chosen, right. yeah. And terminators, yeah. Next up is the sightless helm, the Black Legion model only. You can give this to a cultist. You so when it says this model can be given to a cultist model, obviously it can go to the commune, the dark commune. Now, does it mean you have to? It just means you can. And do don't write it off if you read this quickly. Anyway. Each time the bearer makes an attack, you can ignore any hit roll, weapon skill, or ballistic skill modifiers. Each time you make an attack, improve the AP by one. Um, each time the bearer makes an attack, the bearer does not see the benefits of cover. 
Now, I'm not saying you should take this, but every time you see those wordings, just make sure it's you can rather than only cultist models, okay? Not the best, I don't think, that one. I think there's definitely better relics you're going to take. Again, like you said, it's cute, right? Right, yeah, it's, um, it's quaint. It's, uh, it's something that would be, you know, if you really want to play kind of a, a you know, a, a for funsies list, if you want to spam cultists and just, you know, flood the board with, with models, um, you know, hey, more power to you, especially for painting all those cultists. But um, unless you're going to really lean into the cultist theme, it's not going to do a lot of good. Yeah, because the guns aren't great. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, it's strange because it's only the bearer, not the unit. If it affected the unit, you could put it on maybe like the cultist sergeant or something. I don't know. But anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, what about the, 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 there's that priest guy who walks around with his couple of toadies following him around. Isn't he the guy who got the cultist? You want about the dark commune? Yeah. Dark commune is a cultist unit, but basically what you get in that is basically a, uh, a an apostle and a sorcerer and some bodyguards. But this is ignoring ballistic skill modifiers and ignoring cover and increasing the AP by one. So, and it's only the bearer. It's not the bearer's unit. Got it. Yes. Yeah, so there's nobody in that dark commune that's going to really benefit from any of that. Nah. All right. So I, I think there's much better relics to take than that one. Yeah. So next up, you've got the trophies of slaughter. Okay. This is a Black Legion model only. Add three inches to the range of your auras. Um, and while an enemy unit is within nine, subtract one from combat attrition test for enemy units. Again, it's okay. I think there's better. All right. Because, yeah. You know, if you've only got six CPs to start with to spend on pre-game warlord traits in relics, you're definitely taking the cloak of conquest. You might take the veilbreaker plate for the redeploy another friendly unit, um, and then you've obviously got some of the uh, ones stratagems where you want to like buff up your units. We'll come onto that later. But anyway, yeah. and then we've got the final one. It's called the wrath of Abyss, the abyss, the abyss. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, thunder hammer. And basically, it's just a Thunder Hammer that is minus three AP rather than minus two, and you don't suffer the minus one to hit penalty either. So again, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think if I was building out a character who was just going to be a smash guy, I think that I would consider taking that as the second Warlord, or as the second Relic. Um, yeah. I think you probably could. Um, it's a shame you can't stack it with making it a demon relic weapon because then it could be really spicy but oh that would be uh, over the top yeah be real spicy but anyway yeah so stratagems dave yeah stratagems okay now stratagems on the whole are very strong they're very tactical very flexible but very expensive um so the first one is called the bringers of despair use a stratagem at the start of your opponent's fight phase select one black legion chaos terminate unit within three of one or more enemy units you can gain the fight first and you get plus one um, to the attacks characteristics. So two CPs for fight first and that. Now, if we have a think about when this is important, this basically would cost you four CPs to get around, but it's in your opponent's um, turn. If they had a unit that charged you and they had obviously fight first because they've charged you could spend this and therefore interrupt for free if they didn't choose to go against that terminator unit so that's okay 
but obviously your opponent could still just choose to fight there first anyway, right? Right. However, if we if we had a fight last, which the Black Legion can't take, then it's going to be irrelevant anyway because they can't take one. But even if they did, um, it's still your opponent's turn. If you made an enemy unit fight last, then they just lose their fight first and you would still go first because it's a non-player's turn taking place. However, what this stratagem does do is mean if your opponent has a fight last and they come into combat with you and make your Terminators fight last, all they would do is remove the fight first that you've just given them. Okay? So that means that you could then interrupt the combat still. Yeah. And it is the same cost as the interrupt strat. So at the very least, you get the interrupt and the extra attack. However, Dave, you'd still need to spend two CPs to interrupt. Well, right. That's right. There's a four CP spend to avoid a fight last and interrupt. Yeah. If they don't have a fight last, it's just two CPs and they'll just go there first. Um, But you do get the extra attack as well. So it's very situational and it's very costly to be effective. Yeah. Uh, Especially because, oh, and you got to do it at the start of the phase. You don't wait until somebody chooses them. Bingo. Yeah. That's That's the issue. It's the timing factor of it as well. Yeah. You've you've hit that one pointed that one out a little bit more clearly than I did. Um, so the two CPs, tip of the spear, use a stratagem at the start of your charge phase. If no Black Legion units from your army with an engagement range of enemy enemy units, select the Black Legion core, Legion Demon King, or character unit from your army. Um, that is closest to an enemy unit. Until the end of the turn, you can reroll charge rolls. Each time a modeler makes a melee attack against the enemy unit that is in range of a objective marker or within your opponent's deployment zone, increase the AP by one. Now, this is a two bullet point one. So basically you can just get it for the reroll charges, but then if your opponent's in their deployment zone or within an arranged objective marker, you also increase your AP by one. Possessed are typically a low AP unit, especially with armor of contempt. So having them with reroll charges and extra AP makes that unit very, very good and very strong. So I think you might consider tip of the spear what I would do in order to make this so you've got multiple places you can do it is when you set this up, because it has to be the closest unit to your opponent's uh, unit, make sure you're saying to your opponent, hey, um, I need, I'm going to make all of my charges equidistance. So go, right, I got you this unit within four inches. I'll put this unit also within four inches and this unit also within four inches. Make that clear to be your intent even if you could get one unit potentially closer to get it within three inches or 3.9, just say they're all four, measure it all out. And therefore, when it comes to it, you can go, which one do I need to go off? Yeah. And then you could use it there with the reroll charges. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that, that's something to consider. Um, so next up, we've got two CPs, hatred unbound. Um, basically use this in the command phase. If your warlord's on the battlefield, which let's be honest, is probably a bad one. And he probably is. Um, and you're either engaged in destruction, massacre, or slaughter. Select one Black Legion core unit from your army that's within 18 of the Warlord until the start of your next com- command phase. You're considered to be in every wanton. Have them all. Terminators, have all the wantons. Exploding sixes for your combi weapons. Exploding sixes for your assault weapons. Exploding sixes for your combat weapons as well. I'm very jealous of this one because the Space Rain one is three CP and this is only two. That's a that's a bargain as far as I'm concerned. Cry me a river, Dave. 
Well, I'm not whining about it. I'm just saying, you know, it's a it, for for Black Legion. It's a it's a benefit for them as everybody else, you know, had to pay a little an extra CP. So, yeah, they're strong, isn't it? It is. It is. It's just showing their tactical flexibility, though, which I do like. Which probably why it should be cheaper, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's within the law, uh, although three CPs is a lot of str- a lot of CPs for that. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think I'd spend three CPs on a unit to put it in all documents. No. Um, no. Anyway, next up is Lord of Ezekarion. Ezek- yeah, you got it. Ezekarion? Yeah. Okay, cool. No, um, you got it right. I think, I think it's Ezekarion or Ezekarion. One CP, use this after naming a Black Legion character model, excluding named characters and demon models. You can't put this on a, can't put this on a demon prince. Oh. To be your warlord. Okay. Now, you can generate one additional wall or trait for them. So because you, how this works is you need to make this first model. You want to double up wall or traits, your warlord. Now, if you're taking a badden, you're not going to be able to use this stratagem. As it should be, because it would be really stupid to have, I mean, stupidly powerful to have a badden walking around with his three warlord traits and have another, um, character wandering around demon prince or not wandering around with two uh, additional warlord traits yeah so you you would just it would just be hero hammer you know yeah gone crazy so do consider that it's basically if you want like a pseudo about it right yeah if you if you don't want to spend the the 300 points for abaddon the model that should be 450 points um if that's a little too pricey for you then go ahead and, and customize your own uh, character out and give him the spend the extra CP. Spend the two CPs to give him two warlord traits instead of the one CP to give Abaddon with his three warlord traits. Yeah, we'll we'll let all the mathematicians at home figure out which one is better. Abaddon went to his home bargain shop and just bought everything for free. He did. He did. He he went to Costco and stacked and stocked up on uh, on warlord traits and relics. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. Um, so next one, you've got Confluence of the Traitors. It's one CP. Um, this is amazing. You can only use this stratagem once, but you can select one of your Black Legion Heretic Astartes units. So that's basically anything that isn't a cultist uh, from your army. Then select one Legion trait and have it. So you can go, cool, I'm going to be Creations of Bile. So I'm going to have my army with plus one strength, plus one um, movement, and I'm going to fight on death. That's amazing. Yeah, you could go cool. Be that's, a there. Advance in charge. Yeah, I, that's what I was thinking of. I was like, oh yeah, here my um my my uh, my warp talons or my you know chosen or whatever or my raptors. They're they're red corsairs this turn. They're going to advance in charge. Um, and having played Death Watch the way I have, that's very strong. And again, for one CP, that's very strong. I mean, this is the weirdest one though. You could technically pick a. Zinch unit or something or a Nurgle unit and go, cool, be an Emperor Children. Yeah. Bit weird, but anyway. Yeah. It's a little bendy of the rules, but um you're only giving them the warlord trade for one, you know, for one turn. But yeah, the Legion trait, yeah. So yeah. next up we've got Unrelenting Slaughter is two CPs. Use your strategy in your movement phase. When you select a Black Legion unit from your army until the start of your next movement phase, you can ignore penalties for you know, advance in charge rolls and move, which is pretty good. You know, if you don't want to get stuck on dense terrain or difficult ground or something. Um, and then you're also, um, when you're 
you're eligible to shoot and declare a charge even if you fell back. So again, more tactical flexibility. We've got it as a wall or trait. So I think you don't worry about taking it as a wall or trait. And I think you just use unrelenting slaughter if you get stuck in combat and you need to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of a situational thing anyway. You don't need to plan to do it every turn. Yeah. So you've got that as a backup. Then we've got Vengeful Skies, three CPs, basically a kind of orbital bombardment. I think, again, situationally good. Um, yeah, it could be all right. Yeah. Um, so you kind of draw a line, do mortal wounds for units within that line. Oh, and is then- it the draw the line one? Oh, it's like the Tau one. Mm. Yeah. It's the don't step on the laser tripwire there for one turn and you won't take mortal wounds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it could be okay. Heralds of Doom 2 CPs. This is probably my favorite one. Use a stratagem in your command phase. Select one Black Legion Legionaries unit from your army that is on the battlefield until the start of your next command phase. That unit has the following ability. Heralds of Doom. It's an aura. While an enemy unit is within six inches, they lose the objective secured ability. Dave, how strong is that? That's so strong. Love it. And again, I'm going to compare, but I'm not complaining, Steve. But... Um, it's, that's very strong because that's, that's a space Marine thing, but space Marines can only do it on their reavers. Black Legion can do it on anything. That's a black Legion legionary. Yeah. So your terminators can shut off obsec. That's awesome. Well, your, your terminators can't, your legionaries can, but then obviously you can have the cloak of conquest nearby and use your terminators to flip it. Oh yeah. 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 Legionaries. I forget that that legionary is just the, the regular legionaries, but yeah, it's, it's any, it's the troops versions of that, of the, uh, vanilla space Marines, but, um, yeah. but still very strong. You, you, you're going to have three squads of those, at least in your, um, in your, uh, battalion at least because they're great. Yeah. Um, so that is everything, Dave, but obviously shall we look at a bad end quickly? Because obviously I was gonna, that's not everything. Cause, um, we, we have a, we have a certain special character. We've actually to, got uh, two. We've actually we, got I was say we have two. Cause doesn't Harkin wool claimer also. That's all right. You got it. So let's have a little quick look over Abaddon. Uh, we should probably do a, another separate podcast on how to kill Abaddon. But first, let's have a little look at the World Claimer. Okay, so the World Claimer, um, he is Black Legion models only. He's got a fair few rules. Um, he's coming in with a mighty uh, six wounds, seven attacks. That's really good. Um, he gets basically a hell spear. And when you hit a score, you draw a straight line with this. Um, and the closest model in the target unit make one wound roll against the target unit for each uh, other unit that it passes over. So it's units, not models. You might be able to get a couple of units, maybe. Um, Strength 7, minus 3, 3 damage. It's okay. Then you've got the talons. So he's strength 5, minus 3, 2 damage, and you can reroll the wound roll, basically with his lightning claw. Um, So that's okay as well. But then in your command phase, you can select one friendly Black Legion core or character, and until the start of your next command phase, you can reroll the hit roll. If the unit is raptors, you can also reroll the wound roll as well. So that's really it's kind of like a cheap, um, a cheap chapter master. So if you weren't taking a bad and you could take Harkin, um, and then you could take your other warlord that you wanted to give double warlord trait to, um, and make a real smash character as well. He also yeah. gives reroll ones to hit, um, and basically he's got something about kind of uh, killing characters as well. Uh, you add one to his attack characteristics. Um, and then he's also got four up in vulnerable save and, uh, one enemy unit is in six. Each time you make a morale chest, one additional model flees that will stack with Raptors that could also stack with the combat attrition thing as well that you can manipulate. So 
there could be some sort of leadership debuff buffing shenanigans with him. Um, he's okay. I think he's pretty cool. I love the model. I think he looks awesome. So, you know, why not take him if you didn't want to just take a button and be different, which is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I think you, you also left out that because he is supposed to be the Lord of the Raptors, he's, he's got a jump pack. So his move is 12 inches. Yeah. He's, he's, really he's one quick. of the fastest characters in the game or in the, in the codex. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Yeah. So next up, we've got Abaddon. So Abaddon, um, he's disgusting. So he gets three warlord traits. Um, I don't know where to start with this guy. So obviously he's got nine wounds, eight attacks. Now he's got this warlord trait, so he'll always have nine attacks minimum. Um, he's got the corn keyword. So because he's got every single mark of corn, he fights first because he's Slanesh. Um, any strength characteristic that is equal, so anything that's strength six that targets him because he's toughness six, uh, is going to be wounding on fives, not fours. And he can never be wounded on a two because he's Nurgle. Um, he's also going to have plus one strength. Okay. Um, so therefore, because he's, if he made a charge move or was charged, because he's corn, he'll get plus one strength. So he's strength seven base. Um, and every time he fails his first saving throw, it's reduced to zero. Okay. Because he's Zinch as well. That means you can also use any of the stratagems on him that are either Zinch, Nurgle, like transhuman or whatnot um, on him too to make him even more durable or more potent. Um, now each time, it's okay, so each time this model makes a melee attack, if it made, okay, so that's basically all the kind of marks there under the mark of Chaos Ascendant that I've just read out. Um, yep. He's then got a four up invulnerable save, he's got a two plus armor save, and he can't lose more than three wounds in the same phase. Um, anything more than that is just ignored. He has to be your warlord, and if he's if he is your warlord, then he gains the agent a chaos keyword, which means he won't break anything from any other army. So you can stick him in anything. Please don't, guys. It's not cool. Um, and uh, I think it's cool when he's in a in a chaos space marine army. I don't think it's cool in a chaos knights army. Anyway, um, that's just my personal bias. Um, the the spoiler is an aura, so chaos core units, any chaos core unit. Um, within six gets, add one to their charge rolls and reroll hits of one. So he's basically a captain for everybody. He's the Lord of the Traitorous um, Legion. So in your command phase, like one friendly Heretic Astartes core or Heretic Astartes character. And you can also reroll the wound roll. So he is much better in a her um, Heretic Astartes, but because you could put him in like with a load of armages, then he'd give reroll ones to all the armages within six as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, he, he rerolls, he gives full hit rerolls, and then the wound reroll is only if they're Black Legion, though, right? Sorry, yeah. I, yeah, if I think, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. so you get reroll hit rolls for anybody, then reroll hits and wounds if you're Black Legion, yeah. Yeah. Which is so, why you kind of put him in a Black Legion army, definitely, because of the reroll wounds rolls. Um, now, he also get the Talons of Horus. It's four shots, strength five, minus one, two damage. That's his gun. He's got his weapon, which is as we said, is a minimum, minimum nine attacks. Okay. Um, and it's basically strength seven, strength 10 total, minus four, three damage. Um, and each time you make an attack with this weapon, you can, an unmodified roll of a six. The target suffers D3 mortal wounds in addition to damage. Obviously, if he's in his slaughter or whatever, he will get exploding sixes in combat. Because he's Slanesh as well, you could use the stratagem in that phase to. Proc one of those sixes to wound 
two A six to do an additional D three mortal wounds as well. Um, he's very strong. Um, and yeah, you just can't kill him. Takes ages to take him down, but he can only be in one place, and he's easy to outmaneuver because he is relatively slow. But if you're using him, do not. Please, please, please put him in deep strike. Stick him in the middle of the table on the front line and just let him run in advance at your enemy as quickly as you can. Get him stuck into combat quickly. Do not mess about. Yeah. Yeah. Look out, sir. I'm behind um, a group of Terminators. If you're really worried that, you know, you're playing against Kyle and his rail guns, you know, stick him with, you know, but even then, I mean, you could rail gun this dude all day long and he's going to take three wounds. So, yeah. You know, and remember, he's. He's got nine wounds, so you can't target him because of lookout sir. So like you said, having a slight cheaper unit in front means that has to die before they can even target him anyway. So he's an absolute beast. So Dave, should we go over my Black Legion list quickly? Absolutely. My Black Legion list um, is something I've been working on with one of my one-to-one clients. Um, I'm sure he won't mind me talking about this. Uh, but again, it was designed so it helps him get familiar with the army before we make it more complex. We've got obviously a Baden with his three warlord traits. His warlord trait internal vendetta we haven't covered is in the generic book, which allows you to pick a unit and it has reroll wounds against that enemy unit. Um, and we've obviously already covered the others that he has. I've got a dark apostle in here with the marker Slanesh and the ability so I can go advance in charge on a unit of a Slanesh unit. And also, because I need him to give a Baden advance in charge. Also, I can put on the trans hitman so he can't be hit on a one, two, or three, and you can't reroll the hit roll. And I can put that on my Terminator unit, which we'll come to later. I've got the Master of Possession with the Cloak of Conquest. And again, he can heal a model D3 wound. So again, that stacks really well because I'm taking a Baden. I can also bring models back to life as well, which is pretty cool. Um, and we'll come to what I'd be bringing back later. Um, he's also got the Marcus Slanesh. So if I don't want to cast that, I can cast uh, five plus feel no pain on my Terminators. I've then got a Sorcerer in Terminator armor. Um, I've given him diabolical strength to buff up some of my legionary sergeants or my characters. Um, we've also given him a force sword. He's in Terminator armor. I've given him the plate so he can ping, you know, units around that within that radius with that relic. Um, and I've also given him prescience to give plus one hit to a unit because not always do you want to give plus one hit to a unit um, because it won't be firing against the closest eligible visible target. Um, and because he's a uh, Zinch Sorcerer, I can use the one CP stratagem to cast a psychic action as well as a psychic power. Okay. And because he's Zinch, I can give a unit a four plus invulnerable save. And we'll come on to what unit I'll do that to later. We've then got two units of cultists, um, just bare bones for sort of holding backfield objectives. Um, we've then got uh, three units of legionaries. And we're looking at, for example, taking. Um, you know, a Belfire Tome on one of those. And without the others, we're just looking for a heavy chain axe and a power fist because we get the plus one to hit. It means that we're then hitting back on threes because the minus one plus one kind of cancel each other out. If, however, um, I cast presence on that unit, then I can get one of these legionaries hitting on twos. So quite a combat threaty unit because obviously I want to be moving forward. I want to be making a charge. I want to be turning off my opponent's obsec and, you know, stealing that objective. So I need a combat based legionary unit to do that with. I've then got a Chaos Terminator squad. Marcus Lanesh, Black Rune of Damnation for minus one to wound. I've got two Chain Fists in this unit. I've also got one, two, three, four Power Fists in this unit. And I've got one, two, three, four Combi Melters in this unit as well. Uh, and then it's a unit of 10, so I can take all the weapon profiles I want. This is my heavy hitting unit for 400 points. 
Uh, minus one to wound. It's Marcus Slanesh, so I can give it a five plus feel no pain. And I'll also probably put on it, you can't hit it on a one, two, or three. Then we've got 10 chosen. Um, it's Marcus Inch, so I can give this unit a four plus invulnerable save. I've got four combi melters in this unit, and I've then also got some other just chosen with, you know, the right um, accursed weapons. And obviously, because they're Zinch, I've also put an icon in this unit as well. Um, and the icon, because I'm Zinch, gives me, you know, a little bit better AP with all those bolt guns. Um, but the best thing is the first time I make a saving throw, then obviously um, I won't basically have the, I'll ignore the first one that I fail. The other thing I should mention on the um, Legionaries is I've made them Slanesh and I've given them the icon. So that also gives me a plus one to hit as well. So the Legionaries, when they fight, they get plus one to hit from the icon. And then also they get then plus one hit because I'm charging the closest eligible unit, the power fist and the heavy chain axe are minus one to hit. So now I'm back hitting on twos, meaning I can put prescience on somewhere else if I needed to. Then I've got a master executioner. Um, he's awesome. Obviously he's Marcus Slanesh, so I can turn a dice roll to a six because it's really important on the hit roll. He's got the intoxicating elixir, so he gets D3 extra attacks and basically becomes a badden for a turn where he can only take three wounds. And then we've got Hatred Incarnate, so he re-rolls wounds. Um, and then also, oh no, hang on a minute, that might be re-roll hits. Apologies, it's re-roll hits and an additional attack as well. So he's re-rolling his hits, fishing for sixes, because every six to hit is two mortal wounds. And then I can turn a dice to a six as well. So he's a bit of a bit of a blender on that respect. And then I've got a Rhino. Um, and the only thing is, I'm 55 points over. So what I've got to basically do is drop a unit of cultists. So I have one unit of cultists, and I probably need to drop an icon off maybe the chosen potentially. And that's the list that I'll come up with. Lots of obsec, lots of tactical flexibility, and... Killing characters. Um, yeah, a lot of killing characters. That Master of Execution, I know you... I don't think you've made a chaos list yet since this book came out that does not include that Master of Executions. Oh, he's my, I love him. I just think he's so good. Yeah. What I love about it is so fragile, but God, when he hits, he hits like a truck. It's like my sister's equivalent of Patricia that I used to run. So, yeah. Yeah. Patricia's in the list still. Don't worry. Yeah. So, yeah, super fun army. Um, I'm really excited about playing the Black Legion. You know, there's definitely room to take a Land Raider in there as well. I, I definitely could see taking a Land Raider. Um, to maybe transport the Chosen, do some good shooting output. But on the whole, it's a really, really strong uh, way to play the Chaos, I think, and good fun too. Yeah. Any questions, Dave? Um, I don't think so. Um, I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah. So far, out of the Emperor's Children and the Black Legion, which one have you liking the sound of more? Um, I actually am still kind of... Um I think I like Emperor's Children more than Black Legion, um, but I, because I, I'm really liking the idea of the Red Corsairs. Okay. I think the I think I like the advance and charge. I like the the high speed movement and getting right in someone's face, because that's that's counter to how I normally play with standing back and shooting. Yeah. So. Okay. So Red Corsairs is your fave so far. I like it. So far, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, obviously you're going to be interviewing Jakey. Uh, on the word bearers, aren't you? I know he's super excited for that. Uh, yeah. I know you're interviewing Michael for the Night Lords. Um, but yeah, great work, guys. So what's next? Got, have we got a battle ready tip with James? Uh, I think we do. Let's head over and do it. Let's do it. Okay, James, I've got a listener question for you this week. 
amazing. Now they've been, they've said they've been enjoying your tips as an email I got and, um, but they're struggling with getting the right brush, you know? So what would you say in terms of brushes best for budget and then right the way up, like what's a good mid range and then what's the one that if you're looking to, you know, paint a character or you really want to take some time on a model that you've just bought, uh, what's the best brush you need to buy? So where, where, where's our range? It brushes. Uh, so in general, as a general rule of thumb, brushes, is, it's like, it's like the one from Harry Potter. That's the only way I can explain it. It's like, you've got to choose what you Does the brush, yeah. does the brush pick the artist? The brush picks the artist. Yeah. I love it. I'm yeah. waiting for mine to be picked yeah. then. Yeah. So the budget, I would say like, yeah, a lot of people are used to using Games Workshop brushes, which really, really do serve a purpose. And they've got some, you know, the great brushes for just getting paint on models, working through them. Like they've got some sort of like higher end brushes in their range as well. So you can, you can obviously pick up the higher end brushes, the more detailed ones for doing characters and bobs, or if you really want to be super neat. Um, so obviously there's those. Um, you've got Army Painter. You've got loads of different manufacturers now that are out there. But I'd probably say, yeah, GW or Army Painter are really good. But there's a bit of a wild card, which I do recommend. And it's, again, I'm not, or affiliated with them at all whatsoever but uh, if you just search a company called rosemary and co the brushes are really really a good for budget and they're very high quality and they do serve a really really good purpose um so i'd recommend those uh for, for budget budget entry uh, and the rosemary and co ones uh, they, they they can even be like high-end brushes as well they are high-end brushes but they're just really really affordable um so your mid-range again i'd say rosemary and co again because they're just generally very 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 good um, but you've got your different, there's different manufacturers out there, uh, sort of like Green Stuff World do a load of brushes. Um, you've got lots of sort of like um, art brands that then obviously do do brushes as well. Like, uh, for example, you've got Raphael, you've got things like that that are slightly better priced. Um, and then for high end, you've got things like uh, Windsor & Newton. Um, you've got your, your various different manufacturers of Kalinsky brushes, which which are, uh, yeah, Kalinsky is the best pair uh, to, to have in a, in a brush for fine detail work. And that's really what you should be looking for as, as a painter is a really good sable Kalinsky brush. Um, and we're talking sort of proper high-end Kalinsky, not your blends or anything like that. Always go for a pure Kalinsky brush. Um, but yeah. As I said, How much do they sort of go from then in terms of like, what, what, you know, you sort of said these rosemary ones, what are you roughly looking at buying just a normal sort of layer brush? So you're looking between sort of like five to five to six pounds, which isn't too bad when you compare it to other, other sort of brands that are out there and other companies that are out there. Um, Again, uh, again, what you you can spend a lot on brushes, or you can spend not a lot on brushes. Yeah. Um, it, it, it it is down to consumer choice. Um, but but I would advise like looking just shopping around. There's some really good deals you can get out there. Um, you know, for different brush companies, and also sort of like companies like I said, like Rosemary and Co. or like your Raphaels or, or you know your Windsor's. They there are times that you can get good deals on things. Um. Again, you can search on eBay. There's, there's, and try some out. I found some really, really good brushes on eBay once. Um, that they, they, I don't know if they're still available or not. But if they are, I'll, I'll give you the link. Um, and they, they, they retail for like five, six pounds again. Um, and then obviously all the way up to your Windsor Newton, your Artis Opus, you can be spending quite a considerable amount of money. But the quality is there, so um, it depends. I've got, I've got a Windsor that I've been using for nearly ten years, and uh, obviously I look after it and clean it, and use it quite often. Um, and because it's a high-end brush and it's obviously you know costs a lot and it's been manufactured really well um it's designed to last as long as you look after it um and then you've got you know cheaper brushes the manufacturer maybe isn't there you know things like that but just 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 shop around and i'd always say like a brush is it's a very um personal thing i think for your paint brush that you use it's like it's the the connection point to the miniatures which we paint so it's it, 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 a lot of people 
think different things and have different experiences or have, you know, but what I, well, the final thing I'll say about brushes is, is that, is that, um, as, as an ex owner of a brush company, um, I, I would definitely say that, that you're always going to get a good brush and a bad brush. Don't expect, um, just because it's made by this company for it to be like an incredible brush. They're handmade objects, typically at the high end re area, using sort of natural materials. There's going to be a room for error and room for margin. But I'd never say just because you pick up one brush from one company that it's that it potentially uh, couldn't be the uh, the best brush. If that makes sense, that you know you'll have one brush that's very good, maybe and one brush that isn't. But don't judge a company just because of one brush. Um, I think that's sometimes that's where people make the mistake. They try a brush. It, it doesn't last very long or a hair splays or something goes wrong or, you know, and then they'll tarnish that company or that brand with, oh, they're not good brushes because they've had one bad experience. So I'd always, always recommend getting a few just to then, you know, test test them as best as possible, if you follow me. So if you did spend a lot of money on a brush and you thought, actually, you know what, it's maybe some of the hairs are started to, and you know you've taken good care of it yeah. uh, in the first couple of times. Is it just worth just emailing the company to see if you can oh, get an yeah. exchange? hundred percent. Yeah. Take photos, you know, obviously look, don't be putting paint in the ferrule, always apply the 50, 50 rule and only put paint in the half of the brush head. Like if you're, if you're loading paint onto your palette for, with your detail brush and you're putting paint over the metal ferrule and then where the hair touches the metal ferrule, you're going to get problems, you know, and, and I'd always recommend cleaning the brushes after they're used, whether it's with water or whether it's with like a brush soap or something like that like the care of these things there's a reason why the one i've got that's lasted me 10 years has lasted me 10 years and that's because i look after it um you know um if you don't you, you're gonna have problems no matter how well made the brush is or how much you spent on it you're gonna have problems so just just take your time time to, to look after it and clean it at the end of a session if you if you see there's a little bit of paint in the ferrule quickly get it out of there um a little tip as an extra little tip for everybody um Using like airbrush thinner is quite good or like cleaner because it just melts the paint and dilute and gets it down. If it's stuck in the fill, just get a shot glass or a cup, put like a half an inch of, of thinner into it, swirl the brush around in there and it will literally get rid of any paint that's built up in the ferrule. Um, just remember to recondition the brush afterwards because thinners have quite aggressive chemicals in there. Um, they can dry out the brush, the hairs quite quickly. So you want to recondition them so they just don't start snapping and having problems. All right. Okay. Um, but yeah, airbrush thin is a really good way to just get any stubborn paint out of the out of the hairs if you've got any. Right, brilliant. So we need the full Tresemme uh, solution after the Correct, clean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You say that, but you can just use uh, shampoo, like hair shampoo. It's hair at the end of the day if it's a clean. Because you're worth it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, <laughs> James. Thank you so much, mate. And I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this episode. Thank you, James, again for um, your wisdom and your uh, immense skill in sharing that with us. Um, that is it for this episode. We've got three, I believe three more, you know, four more deep dives to do. We still got to do night Lords, word bearers, iron warriors, and alpha legion. Um, and creation. Uh, well, oh, and creation is about, we got five, four, five more. My goodness. Uh, so we, yeah, we got, uh, we still got several more episodes to go through to, to, uh, to really get you guys all caught up on this massive chaos Marine book. And we're trying to get them all done before demons drops. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, Stay tuned. We got a whole lot of chaosy content. This is the summer of chaos for sure. So uh, until then, this is Dave Colmel for Stephen Box saying, forget the hearse because I never die. I thought you were going to say, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be ACDC inclined. 
I know, but it would have been great. Anyway, guys, we love you so much. Make sure you leave us a five-star review. Join our free Facebook group and uh, check out that awesome project by Harder and Steambeck because it all goes to a great cause. So until then, Dave, you're a legend. I love you, um, even if I can't stand the American guy. And I will see you all (laughs) next week on the Competitive 40K podcast. See you later. Have a great week, everyone. 